0: Good morning, everybody. Yes, my name is Anthony Day from Cyber Associates. I describe myself as an environmental management consultant. And what I'm specializing in at the moment is, on the one hand, controlling energy through highly detailed metering. And on the other hand, encouraging people to be environmentally responsible and uh, to uh, develop efficiencies by changing behavior within the organization. And for a number of years now, I've been talking about the CRC. The thing about these presentations is that every time, there's something new. It's something which has changed dramatically ever since it was first thought of. And I have every sympathy with people who have been at the forefront of it because I think you must be getting pretty fed up with it by now. DEC had a consultation back in November and December, as I'm sure you're aware. A very simple consultation with a very few questions. And the only ones that really mattered were, do you agree with extending the first phase? And do you agree with removing the information disclosure requirement? There is another consultation in process at the moment, and I think Edward will talk about that in more detail later on. That closes on Friday. That is related principally to phase two. The one that happened at the end of last year is related to phase one. They've completed it, they've reported on it. So I think we can say with a certain degree of confidence that Phase 1 is fairly stable. I say fairly because I know that the guidance has yet to be updated and there are issues which people are still raising. But we've got a pretty clear idea of how Phase 1 will operate. The main thing which came out of the consultation at the end of last year was the revised timeline. See, this looks at the first three phases of the scheme. There are phases which go all the way through till 2049, but I think few people here will be actually concerned with them. The main differences are, of course, that there's an extra year in Phase 1 and the start of Phase 2 has been deferred, which in practical terms means that we are not actually having to register this year for Phase 2, Registration for Phase 2 is now deferred until 2013-14. So I think everybody will be uh, pleased about that. And I think it's very wise because the scheme's really got to get itself bedded down before we start looking at what we do in future phases. So the other main changes that have happened, which you know about, are the allowances. You're not buying any allowances this year. We're buying allowances in 2012. We believe it's April 2012, I don't know that anybody's actually said it's April. April was the month in which they were to be purchased uh, previously, so we'll assume it's April 2012. Originally when the scheme was set up, the first point at which allowances would be purchased required people not only to buy allowances for the year just ended, but also buy forward for the year just starting. The Environment Agency have made it clear that this will not happen, that in 2012 you will be buying only for the year just ended. So you will be in a position to know exactly what allowances you require and buy the exact amount that you need. You will not be required to buy anything for the coming year. Having said that, if you believe that the price of allowances can only go up, you are entitled to buy as many as you want and hold them for subsequent periods. When I say subsequent periods, you can carry them forward from year to year, but not from phase one to phase two. Strangely, you can carry them from phase two to phase three, and for subsequent phases onwards, but that is an awful long way down the line. So in practical terms, you can buy allowances, you can buy an excess, you can carry it forward through to the end of phase one. What will you pay? Well, it's always been £12 a tonne. That's been the figure that's been... um, quoted ever since the scheme started but I did ask CRC help for confirmation of this and they were a bit mealy-mouthed and they came back and they said this is now a budgetary issue. What does that mean? I think that means that it's the Chancellor who's going to determine what the cost of allowances is going to be. Now I think it's pretty unlikely that it will change from £12 a tonne next year because by changing the scheme round and abolishing revenue recycling, I think people have already had a bit of a kicking. And to actually put the £12 a tonne up would really make it even worse. Having said that, yeah, uh, in the following years of phase, uh, phase 1, there is no guarantee that it will still be £12. It is likely, I think, to go up. I can't see anybody expecting it to go down. As I've said, there is no recycling payment. Which, of course, is a bone of contention for everybody. No money coming back. There is still the CRC League Table. The League Table will be published in October 2012. Actually, there's a point that I must go back to. I've just re- remembered as far as the recycling payment. There is no recycling payment in Phase 1. The Environment Agency indicated at a meeting I went to recently, that it's not ruled out forever. But it will not reappear in Phase 1. It may appear in Phase 2. So, going forward again to the League table, as I said, that will continue and that will be published on in October 2012. It now has no economic value. Previously, your position, of course, would determine how much of a revenue recycling payment you would get. Now it merely has a PR effect. Now that PR effect may be extremely important for some organisations and it may be completely irrelevant for others. I'm quite sure people with a with a high brand profile, with a strong high street presence, will work very hard to get themselves well up the league table because it's all part of the green image that they're trying to promote and if they don't do their best and shout about it, They know that their competitors will, so they're vying to be well up that league table. And if the league table is important to you, then, of course, the metrics, the early action metric, the absolute metric, and the growth metric, are what will determine your position on the table. Their influence changes over time. In the first year, in this first year, it's the early action metric. And the early action metric consists of Carbon Trust standard or another approved standard and the installation of voluntary AMRs. If you get your Carbon Trust standard or equivalent by the 31st of March this year, then you will get full credit for that part of the early action metric. As far as AMRs, automatic meeting reading, is concerned, as far as putting in voluntary meters is concerned, you get credit from them for the amount of this year's electricity that goes through them in the 12 months. So if you haven't put any in now, then it is far too late to do anything because the amount of your yearly consumption that will go through new metres between now and the end of March is, is negligible. So there's not a lot you can do there. The early action metric is less significant next year and even less the year after when the absolute metric becomes dominant and there's a small allowance for a growth metric. Let's just look now at registration. The timeline shows, as I said, that we're not having to register for Phase 2 this year. We don't have to register for Phase 2 until 2013-14. So that gives us a little bit of a breathing space. You had to register for the initial Phase 1 by the 30th Of September last year. It's not too late to make changes. The Environment Agency is most concerned to have accurate data so they are carrying out an audit, an audit of all registrations. It's a risk-based audit which means they're going to look at the biggest ones first to make quite sure that they're accurate. They're going to look at orphan meters. The metres that they know about, but nobody has actually claimed ownership of. As I said, they want clean information. And that's much more important than actually beating people into line and holding them to account for not getting things done on time. They have got enforcement powers, of course, but that, they make clear, is a last resort. If you feel there are some changes that you need to make, it is not too late. You can contact... CRC help desk and they can unlock your registration so you can go in and make amendments. It may be that you've had a a radical change to your corporate structure. There may be things which mean that you're not a participant after all you're only down to information reporting level. Or you may have made the mistake which the agency says is increasingly common which is the confusion between megawatt hours and kilowatt hours. The thing is as, as you know the criterion for Uh, qualifying to be a full participant is that you must have a minimum consumption of 6,000 megawatt hours per annum. Megawatt hours. Everything else is reported in kilowatt hours and some participants have muddled the two which is serious because it's a difference of a factor of a thousand. So should you consider you may have actually got that wrong it's not too late to change it and it's probably a good idea to change it if that is the situation. We come now to reporting. Yes, you have to do an annual report. And the clue is in the title, you have to do it every year. This year you have to do it by the 29th of July. It's due every year by the last working day in July. It's required for all participants to report on their emissions during the previous year. It shows your core energy use. It shows your residual energy use. It shows any changes in your climate change agreement. It lists your rocks and your fits, your renewables obligation certificates and your feed-in tariffs. Your EGCs, your energy generation certificates. It's the basis on which the allowances that you have to surrender is documented. It contains information on renewables. It contains your early action metric data. And in due course, it'll contain your growth metric data, where you will show that for a given unit of production, you are using a smaller amount of energy. There's a space for additional disclosure of information. And as I say, it's due on the 29th of July. That's your annual report. There's also a footprint report. The footprint report is due once in each phase. So it's due in this year. It's also due by the 29th of July, 2011. This is really the status quo, your starting point. So it demonstrates your 90% regulated emissions. It shows your exemptions. It shows the point from which you're starting. And each annual report will refer back to your footprint report to determine your performance, your absolute metric, and the changes that have happened over the phase. Just to summarize and up till now you will have seen that I hate lots of words on slides so I apologize for this one. But the annual report will talk about the change in your CCA status, your renewable energy use, your early action metric data, your growth metric data and any additional information. Whereas both reports will have your core energy use your energy-generating credits, and your residual measurement list. The footprint report shows the designated changes, CCA exemptions, CCA emissions deducted, residual energy use, other fuels, rocks and fits. Residual energy use is where you use something other than gas and electricity. You have to report on 90% of the energy use which accounts for your carbon footprint. If gas and electricity between them cover that 90% then that's fine. You report on the amount, the 90 plus percent, that is represented by your core energy, your gas and your electricity. But if your gas and electricity use together do not actually reach that 90% then you have to talk about your residual energy and that would be energy which may come from oil or it may come from biofuels or a number of other fuels which are all listed in the guidance notes on the Environment Agency site. So that has to be initially recorded in the footprint report and changes of course will be documented in the annual report. Fully aware, I'm sure, of the Evidence Pack. Many of you will have listened to the webinar which took place last week on the Evidence Pack. The Evidence Pack is your audit trail. It's your organisational record. It's your supply data records. It contains change and special event records. There is, uh, there's there's detailed information. There are decision trees within the guidance notes to help you decide exactly what the scope of your Evidence Pack should be. I hope very much that everybody has already got systems in place to produce the evidence pack because this is an essential document and it is the document that the Environment Agency will audit when they choose to audit. And as you know, they will audit. They're talking about, apart from the audit of the registrations, they will be auditing people as they operate the CRC scheme. And I believe it's 25%, so once in four years. And you need to have these documents in place. The essential contents of the evidence pack are, first of all, organisational cross-match. In other words, a reconciliation of the structure that you've reported for CRC purposes to the structure that you would report for Financial and Companies Act purposes. You need to have records of internal audits and that's extremely important because the thing about CRC, it's an ongoing process. It's an ongoing striving towards efficiency. And therefore you need to have records of internal audits to show that you are reviewing the procedures that you've put in place and you are doing everything you can to improve those procedures and thereby improve your efficiency, your sustainability and, of course, reduce your carbon footprint. You will have a reference list to point to where the primary data is held because you may not just have it in the evidence pack. Primary data will principally be the reports from your energy supplier and that has to be held as provided, which may be a PDF, it may be a hard copy, but that's your principal source of information. That will be required only if there's a a detailed audit and there's some suggestion of non-compliance, but nonetheless it needs to be held so that you have got a complete picture and you can justify your situation. The level of accountability is getting close to the level of accountability for financial records. So, as I say, you must have this in place and you must have procedures to make sure that it's constantly kept up to date. Remember, it's the responsibility of a nominated uh, director or executive who can be held personally liable if if it's not in place. I just want to say in close to conclusion that you've got 16 weeks from the end of March to the end of July but you may not have as many weeks as you think because you may be waiting for your final bills for the whole of April. Your energy suppliers have a statutory duty to respond to your questions within six weeks but everybody will be asking questions at the end of March the suppliers will be under pressure, the CRC help desk will be under pressure and there's likely to be a blockage right through April and if you've got a large organization and you've got scattered units then it may take to the middle of May before you get all the information you need from your group. Don't forget that between May and July you're going to have holiday periods so you've got less time than you thought. Put in a one-week contingency but the main thing is to start now. Don't underestimate the volume of data and don't uh, underestimate the range of sources as i've said suppliers and the crc help desk will be under extreme pressure in the in the few weeks following the end of march and um, in the in the few weeks you've got before the end of march just do make sure that your evidence pack and the procedures behind it are firmly in place i just want to conclude now with This, which is what was said when the carbon reduction commitment was originally set up. It's a mandatory carbon reduction and energy efficiency scheme to change behaviour and infrastructure. And the important thing is it's to change behaviour and infrastructure. I know many people will think that this CRC is an imposition, it's a burden... It's an absolute travesty that we not only have to pay to register, but we have to pay a fee every year in order to be able to participate and pay money over to the government. A significant chunk of money, after all, because it's a minimum of £30,000 for the smallest participant. It's at least 6% of your energy bill. But let's just go back to change behaviour and infrastructure. And any step that you take towards doing that for the purposes of the CRC will, after all improve your efficiency, reduce your energy bills and improve your bottom line. So, it may be a very unwelcome big stick that the government is now wielding. But, uh, to be trite, there is a silver lining. Anything you do to achieve CRC will actually benefit you in the long term. So, that's a quick rundown. I'm going to produce a one-page summary of my comments, which I shall let 2Degrees have by the end of the day, and I hope they'll send that out to you. My name's Anthony Day from Cyber Associates. Hope that was interesting. You can contact me on 07803 if you'd like to talk about anything in this podcast. My email is acd at cyber-associates.com and you'll find more on the website, which is cyber-associates.com. Thanks for listening.